Yeah, I, I got I I jumped in. I know, I heard. I'm I, so happy I taught you what they were. You did. You taught me what's <laughs> up, and then I bought an ape. I got an ape too because I saw you on the show with people, and you said you got a moon pay. So I went and I copied you and did the same thing. You did? Mm-hmm. This is your this That's is your mine. ape. Yeah, we debuted. It's really cool. Like the hat, the shades. Now what? But, how did you pick? Because you can pick your, your, your ape. Yes, I was going through a lot of them, and I was like, I want something that like kind of reminds me of me, but I, I, this one, it's, it does. I think we, we made like another version of it where he takes the hat off and blonde hair comes out. Uh, so. Yeah, because you can do it now, whatever you want. Mm-hmm, animated version. We're part of the same, we're part of the same oh, community. We're yes. both apes. Love it. Uh, here, my this is my ape. Yours. Yours is so cool. I love the red heart sunglasses. I love the captain hat. It reminded me of me a little bit because I wear striped shirts. Mm-hmm. I've worn these heart sunglasses because my daughters, just as a joke, they have them, and I, as a joke, I put them on. So I've done this, and I love yacht rock and being breezy. So I'm like, yeah, that kind of, and I like the blue. Mm-hmm. Dude, look at us. They look like they could be friends. They're buddies. <laughs> Four years earlier, three boys decided to create a podcast to challenge the old power. Through their shows about Seattle brunch clubs and loose feces in public parks, they set sail to create a new power, <laughs> one that supplanted the old power that loomed over their daily lives. <laughs> But what they didn't realize was that the podcast machine would grow larger than they could ever imagine. The new power seemed ready to burst forth, but they forgot something. The old power was still there all along. (laughs) Then, 100 episodes into an ill-advised rebranding, something unexpected happened. They all bought apes. mechanical freak podcast (laughs) where something about seattle and dystopia uh you know what guys i can't even say it because this isn't a dystopia this is our 100th episode a very possible worlds a very special episode and greatest uh, episode to be alive in Exactly. And honestly, uh, because we live in the best of all possible worlds, because this is the greatest episode of podcasting, uh, we had to treat ourselves and we dipped into the old uh, Patreon piggy bank and, uh, well, we all got apes. Yeah, we uh, we uh, um, uh, yeah, we we bought them. Yeah, uh, I got an ape. Greg got an ape. I got an, Munya ape. got an ape. Did you buy an ape, Munya? Oh, you did. Okay, we all oh, yeah. bought apes. We're all we're all uh, we're all kind of part of the same. Uh, uh, we're on the same uh, podcast. Exactly. Um, yeah. 
And so, guys, uh, you know, I got an ape. And I also, uh, I also have an ape. I, 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 I got an ape too. Well, and, and, and as you know, um, I really like to barbecue, um, particularly mm-hmm. in the summer. And as you can see, he, uh, my ape, he's, uh, he's holding a fork. I'm looking at your ape. Yeah, he mm-hmm. has a fork. Your ape has it, a fork. It is so you. And he's, uh, he's just got a button-up shirt, and, uh, I like to wear shirts, too. So, I guess it just really spoke to me. Uh, what, what, what's your, uh, what's your ape look like, Moon? Yeah, why don't you, why don't you show us the, your ape? Yeah, well... I really do like the color orange, so when I looked at the background, I immediately saw orange and connected with it. It was really me. <laughs> it, it is, Moon. Yeah, I, I could attest to that. Yeah. yeah. I, I, for the listeners at home, um, it is uh, orange. Yes. Yeah. yeah, and the ape has um, Kendall Roy-style... Um, <laughs> Prada shirt and a Gucci bomber, <laughs> like you know when he goes to his birthday, um, mm-hmm. and I just thought that that was you know fun. Uh, and he, you know, I like I, I like to go out, so like it just reminded me of that in a lot of ways. Um, it, it reminds me that uh, before you moved to New York uh, a year ago on your birthday, uh, you you had mentioned uh, the brand Gucci to me. So that really yeah. reminds me of you, Munya. Yeah. And I mean, one of the biggest things is that he's wearing headphones. And as you know, I'm a music lover. Mm-hmm. I, I, as, as a joke and not as a joke, but yeah. like as, as half serious and not. You do I like to, to listen to like audio, sometimes music. And um, when the ape, when I saw the ape having headphones on, I, I just was like, it's, it, this is me. Mm-hmm. It is me Agreed. personified. And, you know, it's just something so beautiful about music. There's something so beautiful about listening to podcasts. And I don't know. I just never thought that I would see myself in something else. Yet there it is right in front of me. Exactly. I, I think so. Um Greg, uh, you too also got an ape, right? Uh, let's, I, let's see your ape. I did purchase an ape with our, our Patreon winnings. Um, okay, so my ape, um, I you know, is very personal to me. Um, he's wearing, as you can see, uh, Persol 714s, the classic ridge-folding uh, sunglasses. Um, but he's also got a Maori face tattoo. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Which is uh, uh, for listeners. I mean, that's that's just like you, Greg. Yeah, uh, Greg yeah. has a full face tattoo. Yeah, that's why we can only do Motherfucker audio, not video. Like coupe, baby. <laughs> uh, and you know, uh, he's all you know to go with that. He's also got uh, scrimshaw earrings and is holding a harpoon. Mm-hmm. Sort of, you know, because because I, you know, it's sort of as a joke. He's uh, like Queequeg ape, no homo. <laughs> <laughs> this ape is much like you greg a lover of the sea mm-hmm. with facial tattoos and maybe just a touch ambiguous 
We don't have to keep that in. <laughs> you can cut that out. <laughs> um, Greg's white passing era. <laughs> well, uh, it's nice that we get all these apes together and that we could be part of this wonderful ape community, um, which is yes, this podcast. A community. A community. Yeah, it's all about of, the community. Of people. Look, uh, if you guys want to be on our Discord, the new rule is you have to have an ape. <laughs> <laughs> ape Avies only. Yeah. yeah ape yeah. Avies only. Uh, was it octagonal <laughs> Ape Avies exclusively? So, so what does, you know, we're, should be expert podcasters at this point. Like, wh- how does one segue into a mediocre podcast segment from possibly the worst ever recorded? Um, <laughs> what does one say? Well, Greg, uh, you've just accomplished that segue for us. And yeah, it's our 100th thanks. episode, y'all. And Yay. <laughs> Our hundred episode of Mechanical Freak. As Mechanical Freak, uh, the name that people are still begging us to change. And uh, guess what? People, people being like, literally, four people. Sorry, fuck. (laughs) One hundred episodes, everybody. Hundred episodes of practice, just showing it on the field. Just uh huh, exactly. (laughs) Um. Four people who um, insist that we go so esoteric that they are the only four people that listen to the podcast only. They're like, let's have a let's have an emoji um, of these like uh, stranger writers <laughs> who like <laughs> lo- of their faces. Let's like get an emoji of them um, on mm-hmm. the Discord. And it's like, hell yeah, yeah. Great way energy. to grow something is uh, <laughs> to have our like <laughs> weekly podcast, like uh, have to know the context and know the faces of the bylines of them. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it's important that uh, if you're trying to grow a community that you make uh, the internal language of it so obscure and so <laughs> like, you know, esoteric and hard to follow, uh, <laughs> you know, that people are really want to join. That it's all the more rewarding. <laughs> exactly. You know? The new title is actually going to be an NFT. It's strictly visual, uh, only digital, and you have to rent it from us to actually see it and perceive what this podcast (laughs) is called. Okay, (laughs) It's all our apes hanging out together. Well, in episode 100, I mean, what can we do other than talk about this new, you know, we're looking to the future and we're going to talk about the future. We've all got apes. We're all investors in this brave new world. And there's another can famous we, can investor. Can we talk about the ape in the room, guys? <laughs> <laughs> the ape in the room is it's not just us. Uh, we'd love to believe that we were sole trailblazers. We're still trailblazers, but sole trailblazers, no. We're blazing a trail off to the side of the trail. It runs parallel <laughs> to the trail that the celebrities are on. We're yeah. just sort of hacking away with a machete. Yeah, in early November of uh, this year, another trailblazer of this new world stepped into view. That is one, and o- that's one Odell Beckham Jr., 
the Cleveland Browns released Odell Beckham Jr. because of text or uh, Twitter messages left by his father about the team <laughs> 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 on the world's best website. And uh, the Los Angeles Rams swooped in, signed him up, uh, signed him to a deal worth $750,000 in guaranteed hard cash. And uh, Odell being a trailblazer in both cool hairstyles and shunning Lena Dunham, he also was a trailblazer in receiving his pay, demanding he be paid in Bitcoin. And I just wanted to read this little bit from uh, Darren Ravella does sports betting, but he posted this little bit here. Uh, At the time that Odell signed this contract, Bitcoin was worth $64,293. Today, it is worth $35,400. That means that today, that deal is worth $412,953. So go ahead and throw three hundred fifty grand. Just lost. <laughs> lost to the crypto the world, crypto gods. Odell will be taxed on $750,000, hey, though. That's because- not fair. Have you, have you factored... Uh, the inflation of the dollar into this analysis, Brian. Yeah, you know, right. the, oh, right. the value of the dollar has been falling too, buddy. Well, that's also bad news for Odell because it turns out as tax season rolls around, the way the federal government sees it is he got paid $750,000, uh, which oh, means shit. he's going to be taxed on that amount at a federal and California state tax rate of you know, cumulative 50.3%. Damn. So what this all adds up to is that Hotel Peckham, as of now, has netted $35,703 from the Rams, his Rams contract this year. That's $35,000 for, you know, granted a formerly elite receiver, but still a very good player to basically get his head bashed in for half a season. <laughs> um, that's winning, guys. That's winning. <laughs> yeah. Can't can't stop, won't stop. I guess, right? I yes. mean, so well, so we actually really just netted thirty five thousand dollars off of yeah. this whole thing. Yeah, because he lost three hundred fifty thousand dollars to the crypto gods. <laughs> then, of course, had to pay out a tax, you know, fifty percent tax rate uh, on the so original seven hundred fifty. Yeah, and then had to pay fifty percent, basically of the seven hundred fifty, right? Yeah. right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is three seventy five, and so just left yeah. it with about thirty five grand. <laughs> basically, uh, I made more money as an adjunct faculty this like <laughs> quor- you know this year, I guess, than Odell Beckham did. <laughs> like, uh, That's like, I mean, this is just add this to a long history of you know NFL players just getting like exploited financially in a in a myriad of ways and this is just the new one where like this is clearly like the game now is con celebrities into pumping their you know uh excess wealth into this market um and simultaneously uh evangelizing it promoting it marketing it to other celebrities and anyone else any other rube out there who will put you know their all of their like two thousand dollars of savings into it um to yeah. pump this shit up yeah and beckham's not the only guy this has happened to um there was an offensive lineman last year who got paid entirely in bitcoin who started the trend but i know like aaron Rodgers took part of his salary in bitcoin like i mean this has become like a very stupid thing that athletes yeah, are including the fucking into. mayor of new york city now well speaking of peak athletes the america's athlete 
the mayor of New York City. <laughs> <laughs> he is an American athlete. Also lost a tenth of his paycheck this month. I mean, he's that's that's just living for Eric Adams. Like if he didn't lose it speculating on coins, he would have lost it at the club. OK, like don't try and cramp the style of a mayor with swag. OK. Well, the thing is, it's like if you're the mayor of Tulsa and you lose a tenth of your paycheck through a hilarious crypto investment, which who knows? Somebody check on the mayor of Tulsa probably happened. <laughs> but that would be that would be funny and expected. The funny part about being mayor of New York is you're not supposed to get fucked on investments. <laughs> you're in charge of the city that does all the financial crimes. You're yeah. supposed to be in the you're crimes. Chief Literally, crime officer. You, you <laughs> yeah. get lunch with the smart money, with the money crime people, you know? Yeah, the money crime unit is your city. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I mean, that shit incredible. But uh not to be outdone and you know, in case uh some of these guys want to dip their toes into the NFT market, Moody, you found this amazing article from Fortune magazine. So I can only assume this is for uh real finance heads. Uh, about, about uh, yeah. a new NFT venture that we're all very excited about. Yeah, um, this is a uh, article from Marco Aquero's uh, Guterres, and um, this is called "The Next Major Trend in NFTs Is to Rent Them Out," and crypto uh, landlords are making a killing. I love Holy every part shit. of that. That oh my headline. god! I I mean, so okay, hey, you know what? This is a positive development because that means crypto and, you know, pr presumably, therefore, NFTs are moving from just pure speculation. You know, by owning them, you're just speculating on the fluctuations in their value. So, you know, such as buying a piece of NFT art to now you can buy those and provide a service. Yeah. You know, and that's how you that's that's, uh, you know, that's going to make the investment worth uh, more and, um, you know, just be better for society. It's going to fulfill a need. You know, I need to uh, possess a non-fungible um, crypto based uh, asset, you know, and so if if the market is there to provide, then I'm satisfied. Well, Munio, why don't you fill us in with what's going on here? Yeah. So, um. Play-to-earn gaming is the newest craze in the crypto world, but unless you have thousands of dollars, you probably won't be able to participate. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Enter a concept called scholarships, a way for players to rent oh the non-fungible tokens used in games <laughs> as tools, creatures, or skins. These NFTs, for short, are often required for playing or they give players an advantage. In exchange for renting the NFTs, players pay the lenders a cut of whatever cryptocurrency they earn while battling, farming, or racing online. Essentially, NFTs are already maturing to the point where they have de facto landlords. <laughs> the game of Farmville has changed, folks. <laughs> so I thought, like, I was disgusted by watching two rich celebrities show each other their fucking framed flayed tattoos uh, was <laughs> I thought that was revolting. But now I'm hearing about sharecropping debt peonage for video games. <laughs> <laughs> is that is did I did I hear that right? Is that 
what we're talking about here? Well, I thought, you know what would make video games more fun is it functioned more like the American healthcare system. <laughs> so, <laughs> so. And, and it's even worse than that because the people who are actually renting these out are predominantly from the global south. They're from the Philippines. They're from like, you know, like Indonesia. Um, and they're typically, you know, people do not have the capital up front to just buy these NFTs, but, you know, want a game. So people are basically using them as like, farmers to like basically farm these their accounts uh and they can just like you know because you need to pay to play these games like that nft has value to them to just like play the game so they're basically enriching their like account with experience i guess um Mm -hmm. The people who are renting it out. So, are so much labor is getting account. exploited yeah. in this as well. Is what yeah, yeah, yeah. So by renting the NFT, you are signing over. You're literally sharecropping. You're signing over a section of your own crypto mining. Uh, now, the funny part, or the crazy part about think, this is, I think Mooney is saying even before that, for in in order for the landlord to get the NFT to rent in the first place, he's got to exploit some like global south labor to yeah. like grind in the game. To then have the asset to rent, you know, one simple trick: just uh, pay uh, a, a South Indian fourteen-year-old gamer to uh, farm in WoW, and then use uh, the swords they they find for you as passive income. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, this rocks. It reminds me of the old saying. Behind every great ape is a great crime. <laughs> it's just so cool how we're just bringing back sharecropping now, Greg. You're so right. We are no, this, in, in the dumbest way possible. This rocks. I love our crypto landlords. Uh, I can't wait to be the Prudhomme of the uh, crypto universe and declare all apes are theft. Um, yeah. but, you know, what do you even say about this? Like. <laughs> that I it, mean, once that, again, <laughs> Chairman Mao was right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, that, exactly. I was going to say that it should be destroyed. Like that, it, you know, obsessing about this stuff is probably not like a viable, like revolutionary program. Um, but just instinctually, morally, like you want to see the a, a, a fist come down on all of this, you know? Yeah, and it's probably not going to happen. You know, it wasn't an effective strategy at the time, but, you know, maybe like Bakunin's could work now. I don't know. Parody, yeah, obviously. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> digitally, digitally. So anyways, in the game. Digital, yeah, yeah. In, the, in the video game. In Call of Duty. <laughs> now that I've mentioned that, uh, it's also worth mentioning that a physical structure has been created in Seattle called the Seattle <laughs> NFT Museum. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> so uh while we've said uh nft should be relegated to the dustbin of history the city of seattle said no they should be relegated to a wonderful museum exhibit <laughs> in the new seattle MF- nft museum and uh the seattle times and the stranger both visited the museum and i thought maybe we could just hear a little about it so uh according to the seattle times this NFT museum will educate art lovers about a billion dollar trend. So let's, oh. let's hear what they got to say. Mm. This, this is actually from like a couple weeks ago and we missed it at the time that they went and talked to these people. Um, but it's relevant now because they just opened. Yeah. 
So back in the not-so-great days of January 2021, not many people were putting much thought into NFTs and the possibilities when combined with digital art. A year later, the Seattle NFT Museum is set to open its doors to highlight the work of those who have ridden the billion-dollar boom and changed the lives of people like Bellevue conceptual artist and illustrator Robbie Trevino. Quote, it's great for people like me, right? Said Trevino. <laughs> I decided to put that, I decided to put that accent right there. There's Said a question Trevino, mark there. Who has two pieces in Seattle's NFT Museum's debut installation. Because we finally can make a really good living <laughs> off what we're doing and have a lot of respect. And have I a mean, lot of respect. Oh, oh man, buddy, buddy. <laughs> I mean, Christie's and Sotheby's weren't even looking in the direction of any of us a year ago, you know? <laughs> Look, okay, no shade to this guy, this a digital artist or whatever from Bellevue, though, I mean, I already don't like him, but... Um, <laughs> Like, look, this is the, you know, he's been brought in just like a lot of people, artists are are being brought into this to provide one layer of the sort of cover narrative of this whole thing, right? Yeah. That these NFTs are a way to, or someone's brilliant idea to take crypto into art and visual art and thereby sell it as a way to for artists to make money somehow because like we're making their their digital art valuable when you know obviously we know like it's obvious it's a uh a drug money laundering fucking scheme and like a you know covert operations intelligence murder slush fund but like whatever <laughs> my man well i mean ironically uh, this digital art is now joined the ranks of actual art in that it is just a prop to launder drug money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, it's like just like the biggest myth that it's even good for artists in the first place. You know, like it's it, it, it does not. It's it's basically perpetuating the starving artist like image and being like, yeah, NFTs solve all of this. Like, if you're mm -hmm. an artist, you can just mint an NFT and you basically get to put it on the market and make a shit ton of money as if like, it's not like there aren't so many NFTs that are completely worthless and never get sold. Um, you know, if you're in like, what type of art is actually like getting bought, you know, it's like, is it's not, is not any good for any artist at all. Like, let's yeah, just well, get that clear. Yeah. The, the, he's living the American dream, the actual American dream, which is, Hey, it's working for one guy. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the it's worth yeah noting, as you said, I mean, the, the vast bulk of NFTs are worth absolutely nothing. And uh, we've now seen the uh, bulk of the valuable ones, the ape collection. And uh, looks like shit, dude. Yeah, <laughs> looks like bullshit. absolute shit. Yeah, I, I like my Queequeg ape. <laughs> no, our apes are cool. Our apes are cool. Yeah, our little our... meow meows, they're cool. <laughs> well, let's continue here. <laughs> Seattle NFT Museum founders Jennifer Wong and Peter Hamilton hope to create an appreciation for the limitless potential of digital art with their Belltown space that will display the work of artists and collectors for those who want a more tactile interaction with what's largely an ephemeral art form. You know where you can so, get a more tactile interaction with art? Say <laughs> any art museum. <laughs> yeah, this is like a dog chasing its tail. Like, mm -hmm. I, what are we doing here? Like, <laughs> I like this. So this is quoting uh, Hamilton here. 
we started to visit our first I'm NFT already galleries. Upset. I'm already upset. <laughs> we started to visit our first. And <laughs> oh, shit, I just got that. <laughs> this is uh, from Hamilton. I'm not going to miss my shot. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But we started to visit our first NFT galleries a few months ago and started to see the dramatic effect it could have to see digital art live in person in full scale in a physical space and how that makes you think about the art and experience it in different ways. This guy literally could have just gone to an art museum at any point. But but what he's talking about (laughs) is he's starting from the proposition that NFTs are cool and of value and going like, but how do we show that to normal people who aren't brain damaged oh (laughs) like bring it it make it physical make this inherently digital thing that is supposed to have power because of its digitalness uh bring it into the real world (laughs) genius well they want you to know uh the museum will differ from the growing nft gallery experience in a couple of ways First, while the art may be for sale from the artist or the collector, this isn't a sales space. And there will be educational and social components as well, including a series of events around its opening on January 14th. Yeah, it's like, this isn't a sales space, guys. The CIA is not physically in the room. Right yeah, now. yeah. <laughs> you have to cut that check separately. Yeah. We felt like the aspect that was missing was just the education, learning, and context for what we were looking at co-creator Wong said. I like that. We felt what was missing was uh, everything that surrounds art and gives it value. (laughs) (laughs) I think we love the experience of being able to see physical art together with friends and to be able to talk about it like you would with any shared experience. Go back to the metaverse. (laughs) But without being a deep NFT expert, we didn't really understand the true value of what we were looking at. And that's the concept why for, of an NFT expert is uh, sending incredible. like pains into my skull. <laughs> and that's why for us, we wanted to really focus on more of the museum aspect versus just a gallery so that we can focus on bringing context to the art pieces versus just having someone walk in with the expected knowledge of already understanding what they're looking at to potentially buy it. Now, granted, that was... Uh, a very long run-on sentence of gibberish. But I think they're speaking to something you mentioned earlier, Greg, which is the project of things like this is actually just to legitimate the concept of yeah. this bullshit investment scheme. And it's hilarious because one of the things that's nice about a piece of actual art is uh, you don't need somebody, an expert, to sit down with you and explain to you why you should believe it has value. <laughs> But NFTs are such garbage that it takes somebody to fill your head with uh, bullshit and jargon to make you think that this in any way makes sense. That this is anything other than a scam. And to be fair, that mirrors the uh, physical art sales world as well. You know, that where particular artists are juiced by art media and, you know, uh, art trading houses, uh, auction houses into you know, inflated values for the same kind of asset speculation. This is just taking it to a new level of absurdity. Well, let's hear a little bit more about our opening here. So, and about our creators. Yes. Wong and Hamilton are a pair of tech executives. I mean, who would have guessed, right? Who married recently (laughs) after meeting during stints at marketing platform company Toon. He's now head of television commerce at Roku 
She's head of sustainability at Convoy. They have assembled an expansive group of artists for the opening. Los Angeles' Blake Catherine is the headlining artist. The Lil Nas X and Jimmy Choo collaborator will attend and participate in a Q&A about her work. The Collector's Showcase will highlight the collection of the Bird family, and artist representation firm H Plus Creative will provide an artist showcase. So what I love that the artist is basically like, hey, uh, Lil Nas X, a, a person who uh, talked to him one time, will be here. <laughs> like, yeah, that, yeah. That's just classic, uh, like, you know, small, you know, small fish kind of uh, posturing. What I, what I like about uh, these guys, uh, the, this pair here, is that they don't really strike you as like real the real hustler type they're like actual mm-hmm. like tech world poisoned like basset hounds who have like the pair of them have like caught a scent dug up like a bone and they're just desperate to show you they're like look look i have this new innovative human <laughs> femur we've dug out of the ground like fucking the burbs uh, and they just they're, I mean, they're like, slobbering <laughs> all over it like please play fetch with me come come it's really yeah. cool i mean they look pretty wealthy like the dude is wearing <laughs> this this puffer jacket from stone island which is like i mean if you see someone like rocking stone island like it's a it's kind of like a douchey like like expensive brand to, to wear yeah. but it's like you know kind of played out um you, you can see it with like a patch on the arm with like a with a with a compass, you know. They seem like they came like straight from like the Bellevue suburb. Uh, oh, one hundred percent. You know, although I will they say, are literally th- tech executives. This yeah. charcoal charcoal <laughs> denim pants with light blue denim button up shirts that they're both wearing is. Oh, oh yeah! Wait, oh my God! Yes, I would, oh I would, my God! I would also like to put in an order at Guy Fieri's restaurant to them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but it, just it's hilarious that they're like matching. I mean, like um, they literally like so- somehow like they like came fresh out of Barney's and like yeah, we're gonna be like placing an order at like you know <laughs> at Red Robin or some shit. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> The two contributions from Trevino, who's worked for Lucasfilm on Star Wars projects, for Netflix on the popular Love, Death, and Robot series, and the music acts Tool and Dead Mouse, come from his multimedia project, Numinous. Uh, I'm just going to say he worked on clearly the awful Star Wars films <laughs> of the last decade and uh, is apparently one of a with- thousand digital artists, literally. Yeah. Like- and his work with the truly awful band Tool, and I don't know who Dead Mouse is, but fuck them. Uh, fuck this. Guy. I like that you <laughs> knew suck. how. I like that you're deep enough into like punk, hardcore, and whatever that you knew how to pronounce that though. Because I was looking at that name, going like, "There's a fucking five in there, and it's like <laughs> half of it's in German." I had no idea. You just like went right through that Dead Mouse, well, and yeah, I get it. You're right, but I never would have guessed. I like to stay into the house music scene and guys who uh, wear giant uh, prop heads as a gimmick because their music sucks. Um, but <laughs> right now, everybody's so mad. They, if they weren't mad about the me calling tool shitty, then they're probably mad about the dead mouse thing. But that's okay. Fuck them. I don't care. It's been suck, guys. I hate to tell you. All right. <laughs> Let's continue. I remember when Ye started tweeting um, like way back. This is like uh, 
This is Twitter lore and this is yay lore. Um, back in like 2014, I don't know, it was maybe some episode or something, but like he was like, I never knew it was pronounced dead mouse. I thought it was dead mouth five. And he like started like for like <laughs> 10 tweets on, just like started like typing dead mouse as dead M O W F I V E. Like just like intentionally like piss all the fans Me off. Me and ye are on the same page. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Once again, once again, and as always, Kanye is right. <laughs> yeah. And you should be on his 100%. side of this discussion. Yeah. Yeah. Once again, we should remind you all that Brian's position is that all music is bad. So take his reviews yeah. with a grain of salt. Yeah, I, I also don't like Kanye's music. I just appreciate him as a deep thinker and human being. He is like, <laughs> yeah, he's, you know, as he said, everything in the world is exactly the same. And I actually do genuinely uh, believe that. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. No, I mean, like, truly. No, he's not wrong. He's not wrong. So let's go ahead and finish this out here. Trevino marveled at the speed of the NFT phenomenon. He remembers the idea of pairing art with the tokens catching fire in February and March 2021. He heard and our app. He did. With and Alvin and Cerise. We finally inspired yeah, somebody. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> And now he has a thriving market for work he once would have been willing to give away in some instances. Quote, The big bullet point concept this year was that digital art does in fact have value far beyond what most people perceive. It's something that we consume so regularly, people just assume it's free, uh, right? We're constantly seeing tons on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all these sites that would just be walls of code without art without a user interface or some sort of website design or the content that the content creators like myself upload for people to look at. So that's cl- that's what you're meant to imbibe out of this and out of the museum as a, as a project. Like him, you know, and here's the artist to say, like, look, I, usually I've been like so many millions of people putting uh, digital content online for free on social media and forums and whatever else for decades. Uh, But now I'm making a couple of bucks on these uh, NFTs. And I'm sorry, guys, like lots of digital artists uh, of every stripe and caliber are going to continue to create digital art and put it online for free for you to look at. And they're not going to make any money at it. Like that's (laughs) that's going to keep keep going on. And, yeah. and meanwhile, the CIA will have a bigger slush fund to finance a genocide somewhere. Like, yeah, the two things aren't actually connected. <laughs> yeah, it, it turns out that, uh, you know, capitalists uh, will only create pricing and value around things that produce surplus value. And for the most part, art outside of its usefulness as yeah. a money laundering scheme is not that. And People to create too much art actually for the amount of money laundering. It'd be too complicated to launder in that small in that small of increments. So uh, it just doesn't have uh, that particular value. Now I do kind of like this idea. This is a fully imbibed neoliberalism too. That art can't have value unless it has a price, right? Yeah, <laughs> like, right. Its value is established through price, of which you must educate the public about what that price is. That is uh, what we call in the world advertising. And uh, at one point, there was a time when artists might find that uh, a little gross. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah. Some of the various art might find that a little gross. Almost but antithetical to the whole idea. Of to the project, purpose, generally. Yeah. Well, that being said, let's kick over. Let's see what the stranger had to say, because 
uh, on January 19th, uh, they actually went and they, they reconned the Seattle NFT Museum for us uh, so that you don't have to because apparently it's $125 to get in it right now. Oh, my God. And more yeah, importantly, so we don't have to, you know, yeah. we're not just using uh, the the Seattle Times shitty reporting as grist for our mill. We're going to use the brave and good reporting of Jazz Kymig, uh also as grist for our mill um, because, <laughs> hey, why not? You know, uh, you know, if maybe if they uh, publish their articles uh with non-fungible tokens like that would prevent us from doing this somehow but you know what we're gonna just uh they give it out for free online we're gonna give it we're gonna regurgitate it to you for free because we uh uh we uh lassoed and copied and pasted it yeah i mean fortune they're you know they're really thinking ahead of the game that the reason why we couldn't read you a whole bunch from that fortune magazine article about the crypto landlords is that uh, that article is a non-fungible token and we would have to yeah. rent it yeah. to use it via <laughs> subscription. <laughs> 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 All right, let's 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 hear what they have to say. Let's hear what uh, Jazz Kayamig has to say over at the slog. Quote, This is like the Matisse of NFTs. Will, a tech worker and NFT collector, motion toward a high-res screen. I took a, ge- a good hard squint. He was talking about Larva Labs CryptoPunk number 553, depicting a pixelated brown-skinned Frode figure wearing 3D glasses floating against an opaque background. This CryptoPunk is one of 10,000 CryptoPunk characters, (laughs) which make up an apparently legendary NFT collection. It's currently on view at the Seattle NFT Museum. Some believers hail these CryptoPunks as being among the original NFTs, which allow people to buy or sell digital files on a blockchain. And these punks are hot commodities. CryptoPunk number 7523, also known as COVID Alien, recently <laughs> sold at Sotheby's for over $11 million. Everyone kill uh, yourself immediately. Just yeah, end the- it now. By the way, this goes back yeah. to Mr. Trevino's comment where he said he wasn't, you know, Sotheby's wasn't highlighting this stuff. And Mr. Trevino, it sounds like they're not highlighting your stuff. Yeah. <laughs> dun, dun. Lacking any real resemblance to the florid and painterly compositions of Henry Matisse. Oh, I should lean into that. Henri Matisse. <laughs> I assumed Will was referencing the intrinsic value of CryptoPunk as being like the famed French artist. <laughs> I can almost hear Matisse's old bones rattling around in his grave. <laughs> I met Wilda's friends at the opening of the Seattle NFT Museum last Friday while I loitered near the all-gender bathroom in need of a break from the party's aggressively optimistic techie vibes. Uh, the, the, God, I don't want to read all this. Okay. Located in Belltown, the 3,000-square-foot museum is on 2125 First Avenue and split into two and a half levels. It's uh, I would have lived like so close to this if, if I was still in Th- Seattle. That's this is what horrifying. they did. This is what they did to Munia's old apartment. So <laughs> became Look what they did to my boy. Look how they massacred my boy. <laughs> to be fair, there were already a lot of NFTs there. Yeah, yeah. To be fair, Munia's apartment was just littered with it NFTs. Was an everywhere. NFT. Yeah. Uh, so the building's concrete flooring, bright fluorescent lighting, and thirty custom designed screens. Samsung is a partner, collectively made me feel like I was inside a posh airport terminal. 
which as you know is the perfect place to view art so this yeah. is this is great already up to a great start yeah the preview party's attendees were a rich mix of tech and finance bros and gals, as well as rebellious digital artist types dressed in a melange of just got off the mountain warp core. Hell yeah. <laughs> hey, Around- one of our predictions, you know, right? Exactly. Around 80 or so people came together to celebrate the museum's opening, which local, national, and international outlets have covered. Appropriately, I overheard people exchanging LinkedIn profiles while also discussing. Um, Mamaru Oshis, Oshai's influential anime, Ghost in the Shell. I'm going to go ahead and say, if you're ever at an event or a party and that either one of those things is happening, leave immediately. Leave. Don't even go out the door. Just go out the nearest window. Mm-hmm. <laughs> just get out. <laughs> I don't care how many stories it is. Just got to yeah. jump. Just yeah. stick your hands in your pockets and do what you came to do. <laughs> <laughs> The Seattle NFT Museum co-founders, co-creators, and newlyweds, Jennifer Wong and Peter Hamilton, uh, say they got into NFTs in the last year after touring the Super Chief Gallery NFT in New York City with a friend. I feel like these two are kind of like characters you'd see on White Lotus or something. Like the people, like (laughs) the rich kind of families who are like at that resort in White Lotus on HBO special. (laughs) They just seem like one of the characters there. I just feel like when they go to like Bellevue dinner parties with their other rich like tech friends, they were always the most boring couple that nobody gave a shit about. And this is all just a ruse to have something to talk about. At the dinner yeah. This yeah. is like an effort yeah. to try and manufacture some, you know, oh my, swag. No, this is like they're they're tech weirdos. Right. So they they probably like the week they started dating, they got into couples therapy and this is like part of an elaborate like 12 step plan to develop their relationship they're like we need a hobby we can do together you know yeah <laughs> yeah this is a project that they do together but don't have to look at each other or talk to each other right, while right. Doing it keeps it. them busy and i was like no i'm doing bookkeeping tonight honey sorry i need and- to focus on our business yeah, they did the spreadsheet and NFTs came out as the lowest common denominator of their interests. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Part of Wong and Hamilton's approach is education around these non-fungible tokens, which are, yes, confusing as fuck. But the NFT museum tries to get a step ahead of you. When entering the space, visitors are greeted first by a gift shop. Did no one see Banksy's exit through the gift shop? <laughs> There are water bottles and neon green teas for sale. <laughs> then a giant wall of text on the right. The wall of text is massive. It encompasses not one, but two walls. My eyes bounced around, never sure where to land. Forget about understanding. For once, I wish someone would mansplain this concept to me. And this, <laughs> by the way, listener, is where you need to click the link that we'll put in the comments or in the show notes. And actually look at the photo of the fucking wall of text. This is insane. Most incomprehensible uh, infographic ever made. Like, like for these two, this this couple, like, let's just say graphic design. Absolutely. Their passion. (laughs) Their passion. 100%. That that was another thing on the common denominator was graphic design when they were looking at uh, things that they had in common. Yep. Hilariously, there is a a whole section which uh, Jess took a picture of and put up uh, where it just explains like 
basically goes through and explains how to buy an NFT using Ethereum. <laughs> like, it's like, look, you need to get a cryptocurrency. You should probably get Ethereum. And it just walks you through, it looks like, kind of how to do that, which uh, fucking rocks. Like, you know, <laughs> d- definitely don't give the game away so easily, right? <laughs> Wong told me that with the inaugural exhibition, they wanted to show the different types of NFT art from generative art to one-to-one to 3D gender, 3D gendering, 3D rendering <laughs> leaving to AI that in. hand drawing. I'm leaving <laughs> <Yeah>. that in. <laughs> <laughs> the exhibition pulls together local artists like Neon Saltwater and grunge photographer Charles Peterson, proving that everybody becomes lame as fuck when they get old. <laughs> Alongside marky NFT types like the, those crypto punks and headliner Blake Catherine, she's worked with Lil Nas X. <laughs> she noticed that too. That's hilarious. This this clout this clout shit is funny. Yeah, uh, Blake Catherine, who was in reasonable proximity to Lil Nas X one time, yeah, one <laughs> time twenty foot radius of Lil Nas X. Uh, many of the NFTs on display come from the collection of the founder's friend Aaron Bird. The Seattle NFT Museum is a museum in the sense that its main objective is to, quote, further the education and further the community of NFTs with no concrete plans to have a permanent collection. But what distinguishes the space from, say, the Seattle Art Museum is that many of the pieces can be sold while on display. Each work I saw had an accompanying QR code connected to OpenSea, the main NFT marketplace platform. So this is very interesting that, like, not surprising at all, but like that uh, the intrepid uh, actual journalist here has, you know, actually like looked around, thought about it, figured out what's going on and said, no, this is actually a gallery, a sales space very clearly. Whereas the Seattle Times just fucking ate the bullshit line that the uh, these this weird, creepy couple was selling that this was some <laughs> kind of educational museum that wasn't really about like a, a sales gallery. Yeah. Just yeah. uncritically, just like just gulp that down. Well, in like all, you know, schemes, right? Just like all, you know, former stock market schemes and stuff like that. What they all require is an ever-growing number of morons and, uh, you know, rubes, marks, whatever you want to call them, to hand their money over to the scheme <laughs> so that they can be robbed. Um, yeah. <laughs> which I kind of like that the, the QR codes are right there, which I'm kind of imagining somebody, like, literally having their wallet robbed in real time. <laughs> like, you know, because, <laughs> because somebody sent them a message and they clicked the wrong button on it and now all their shit was stolen. You know... Jazz also covers uh, Seattle stickering, uh, you know, mm-hmm. and I, I think, you know, um, someone could have a real like uh, hit here if they just went in and like made their own um, QR code stickers to put over all the ones in there that just like uh, steal your Ethereum wallet. When, as soon as you click on the link, <laughs> that would be fucking cool. <laughs> well, oh, well, say- I mean, Brian, you you bring up you know marks and stuff and you know rubes um mr toasty possum uh on twitter uh another fellow aper um who has a ape (laughs) profile picture uh, had this to say um being very familiar with professional wrestling the quote mark is the person who is enjoying the show 
That's us NFT users. We are enjoying the show and are rich. <laughs> oh my god. That's fucking incredible. I mean, that's the thing. It's like the, it's like Tesla stands in the sense that what can you do with them? Because they know that they're being fucked, but they just are happy to be a part of Elon Musk's story. You know, right. it's like the same. Like, like I'm just happy to be part of this great ape scam. <laughs> yeah, no, it's like he's literally saying he's like, yeah, man, when the carnival barker draws my dumb ass in and like sells me a bill of goods and convinces me, you know, that this uh, thing I'm seeing before me is a ligate is a living like eight armed man. Um, like <laughs> I, I'm just I'm here for his showmanship and I believe it. Yeah. 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 <laughs> let's, let's, let's hear a little more here. This gets to two of my favorite paragraphs ever written. Um, but we got, we got a little preface here. But at the opening, the conversations buzzing around me seemed infinitely more appealing than the in real life NFTs, if not a little self-serious. During speeches and side conversations, artists, founders and attendees spoke of NFTs in the community with a sense of divine awe. Quote, it's bigger than just art, Will's friend Patrick, who also works in the tech industry, told me, commenting on how, quote, the power of the blockchain has so much potential to bring us all together. He liked the transparency around each NFT's provenance and recommended I stream the documentary The Lost Leonardo to get a sense of how difficult it is to track ownership, price history, and authenticity of physical works. He also flashed me his fly flog nft on his phone thanks patrick i tried to get comments from women at the party but was mostly unsuccessful two women told me nfts were quote more of their husbands thing <laughs> oh my nice. god all right you're gonna be dragged along to this shit oh Drag my god along your wife to the nft museum you just know that it's like going well there's nothing like an ominous cloud hanging over that marriage at all. <laughs> hey, honey, this is how I'm going to lose the house. Yep. <laughs> yep. Yeah, just sitting there having to like smile and like listen to your husband yuck it up about this shit, knowing that like this is how so much of your money is going to get pissed away. Like, oh, well, we incredible. refinanced our whole fucking house for this. Like, we <laughs> took down a second mortgage to buy this fucking ape. Well, it's basically saying, Hey, honey, uh, I would really like it if I had an audience at like Tony Soprano's card game. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> Make sure to bring the deed to the sporting goods store with yeah. you. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I only wish I only wish my mother's husband uh, was still alive to lose money in NFTs and crypto. <laughs> I mean, honestly, we did, we did have him on the show. Uh, <laughs> Seriously, like he he figured out how to do it every other every other stupid way. This uh. is. I think maybe one of my favorite, one of my other favorite quotes here. Uh, an artist come collector named Drew, who has, quote, hundreds of NFTs in his collection, told me he viewed NFTs as a, quote, new kind of liberation for artists, an opportunity to find a place to express yourself widely and monetize yourself in a way you couldn't before. And I love just, to monetize myself yeah. in a way I couldn't before. There's something so grotesque about somebody <laughs> describing what they're doing as monetizing themselves. Oh, like, dude. Look, I mean, if I'm going to monetize myself, I'm going to mint an NFT of me, where if you own it, if that signifies that, you know, that's a 
non-fungible token that signifies that you own me personally, you know? (laughs) (laughs) That's monetizing myself, okay? Yeah, I mean, you know... It's like <laughs> it's like the toy or whatever, you know. I, I meant an NFT of me. Uh, some, you know, Baron who's upset with his child purchases it on the blockchain, and now I'm bound to entertain his child for the next yep. twenty years. You know, that's just how it works. <laughs> it's the new world we live in. But all right, so. Earlier that Friday, I swung through Belltown to catch a protest against the museum. So not everybody's happy about this, right? Calling attention to the devastating ecological impact of NFTs, which generates, oh, yeah, substantial, that thing. <laughs> generates substantial greenhouse emissions. When I showed up, only one protester was present. The, by the way, uh, I know that's one of our listeners. So, yeah, you know, what's shout up, man? Shout out to you. What's yep. up, bro? They said they didn't have anything against the artists, but argued... Oh, wait, no. Never mind. It's not one of our listeners. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, never mind. All right. <laughs> Somebody else. Yeah. They said they didn't have anything against the artists, but argued NFTs are an unsustainable way to support the arts. Quote, I don't think we as a city need to have the Seattle NFT Museum promoting this eco- ecological negligence. Uh, yeah, I mean, obviously. Uh <laughs> Yeah, something that gets lost in all NFT talk is really just like the insane, almost incalculable like damage on the environment that, you know, it has. Like all of all of this dumb shit is propped up by all of these like data centers that need these really, really expensive GPUs, like with graphical um cards to actually you know, make this shit run. And it's like, you know, data centers, like just for regular stuff is like really intensive, but you know, this isn't just like running on that. You need to, to, to mint an NFT. I mean, you need so much electricity. You need so much power. You need so much computing power to do it. I mean, like, it's not, it's not just like zeros and ones. It's actually, yeah. you know, um, zeros and ones without any like algorithm. Like it's like, it has, an insane amount of environmental impact, especially at scale. Um, yeah. And we're doing that all for this. Like we are actually like destroying the environment for, for this shit. Well, lucky for you, Munya, uh, the proud patrons of the Seattle NFT museum brushed off such concerns. Quote, oh. any new technology or media comes with fear. Said one. <laughs> <laughs> All the lights on in empty office buildings around here emit and waste way more energy than an NFT, scoffed another. Uh, one, false. But yeah, this also, is like just not true. Uh, but the other thing, too, is like those lights also provide a tangible good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Maybe they should be turned off when nobody's in the building. But uh, lighting... I think is an easily describable good in the sense that I could just put somebody in a room and turn the lights off and then turn them on and they get it. <laughs> yeah. uh, I challenge the NFT. I mean, you saw the inscrutable board to explain to you why NFTs matter. Right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> you know, the, the blown up PowerPoint deck that they like used basically one slide to cover like 15 <laughs> slides of content. in. well, it's like, yeah, of course, our idiot money laundering scheme for the CIA 
is uh, going to lead to the total destruction of the planet and has like the same energy emissions as Western Europe. Uh, <laughs> but other things use power too. Yeah. It's like, yeah. oh, well, shit, never mind. Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> you got Checkmate. me. Checkmate. I forgot this is, everything's completely undifferentiated. There's there's no, there's not good <laughs> uses and bad uses of energy. You're, you're correct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, really, really with these guys, it always just boils down to, yet you have an iPhone. Yeah. Like that. (laughs) If we are going to do anything about climate change, it's going to mean having some radical conversations about what it is worth fucking using energy for. And a lot of those are going to be hard decisions. Maybe this isn't, this isn't hard. This is easy yeah. to say. No, fuck off. Just end it. Pull the, the plug. The fruit isn't hanging. It's yeah, like yeah. on the concrete. It's just like ba- ba- fruit berries are just like fucking just scattered on the floor. They're not even a low hanging fruit. Again, literally the only tangible good this provides is money laundering for organizations like the CIA, drug cartels. Like, to revive you know, the like, fucking Contras. <laughs> like, that's like what it is. It, it, it's sort of one of those well, they're going to need it. Yeah. I mean, it, it was like sometimes when people point out like the U.S. military uses more like uh, oil, you know, resources than like the rest of the United States combined. And people are like, oh, but you drive a car. And it's like, uh, yeah, I mean, like, A, that doesn't necessarily mean that cars are great, but... A tank rolling through <laughs> Baghdad, blowing up a preschool, I think is pretty easy to understand is a, a, a def- definition of bad. A thing like, we don't need. Fighter like, jets just like <laughs> just like a fleet yeah. of fucking like ships, like and like aircraft carriers. Did, like <laughs> Did you guys see that tweet? The US Navy had a tweet yesterday about how they're out in the South China Sea and an F-35 crashed yeah. on the fucking deck of the carrier. And then the guy had to eject like from the deck of the aircraft carrier and went off into the ocean and they so, I guess like whipped a bunch of guys with parts. Like so like a bunch of people got injured, had to be taken to Manila uh, to a hospital. And it's like, yeah, I think we can objectively say that uh, we don't need to burn the planet for that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. There, there is no tangible good to that. Like, that should just not exist. And NFTs, same category. Just NFTs are like exist. the military. It shouldn't exist and it's really destructive. Yeah, exactly. Well, let's go ahead and close out with these sort of final two paragraphs. Uh, there's going to be a, a real twist in here. Um When I first entered the party last week, there were whispers that Kevin McCoy, the guy who minted the first NFT back in 2014, was in attendance. And he was. The born and raised Seattleite popped up during the ceremony saying, I thought it was a big idea, but nobody else did. The crowd laughed. Starting last year, many more, many, many more people did. And now the idea belongs to everybody. NFTs are from Seattle. I don't oh. know how we didn't know this or predict it. That it, where else could they be from? So much sense. I mean, this this validates the entire theory of our podcast. Like yeah. <laughs> this validates the entire project of everything we've done. All right, everybody, we're changing the show name back to Seattle Sucks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, if this is not the we've mechanical freak, then what is, Brian? The, oh, this right. is the like belly of the beast. It is yeah. the mechanical freak. Yeah, to be sure. So closing out, later my IP lawyer acquaintance whisked me over to meet McCoy. 
In our brief interview, he told me he was, quote, most proud that NFTs are an idea that came from the art world. It's not a tech idea. But as I glanced around at the company surrounding me, I wasn't sure how much that distinction mattered. <laughs> well, yeah. uh, thank you. Many thanks to Jazz Kymig for suffering an evening with these people, uh, for giving themselves fucking brain damage, trying to even comprehend this shit, for, uh, you know, providing us with uh, content. Yeah, uh, this was a great piece. A wonderful trip through uh, the culture, the, the culture that Seattle brings to the world. God damn! Fucking God, I just like make my stomach sink to see that it's from Seattle. The whole and the first the creator of the NFT. I, I mean, consummate podcaster that I am, I had a thrill run up my leg when I heard that <laughs> because you know uh, that's what we're doing here, right? It's kind of yeah. true. Well, when I was God, this would have been like. 2004, 2005. I must have been in college, maybe 2004. And I remember it, the U.S. was having one of its uh, one of its regular spats where it was, uh, you know, saber rattling over North Korea. And I remember somebody at the college saying, "North Korea has ICBMs that can hit the West Coast. They could drop a nuke on Seattle tomorrow." And every year that passes, I'm like. If that's true, it is a crime. They've not done it. <laughs> Fire those missiles, Kim. I'll wave them in with the like air, you know, the like the ground control guys at the airport, right? Yeah, you know? yeah, right. For all the talk of the brave new like era of leadership that was supposed to be inaugurated with the ascension of uh, Kim Jong Un, like you know the uh, greatest uh, leader since Kim Il Sung. You know, he hasn't. He really hasn't lived up to all that hype because he hasn't uh, nuked Seattle. Because he forgot about one thing. <laughs> well, he's, he's waiting until he completes his ape collection. Yeah. <laughs> then the missiles will fly. Um, Dude, that guy's that guy's not dumb enough to get into apes. Oh my nah. god. They're, yeah, the the North Korean state, like no, they 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 they, they are smart enough to probably like steal Mark's wallet. You know, like <laughs> yeah, no, they'll be sending. They, they, people they'll in. they'll be like jacking people's crypto for sure. But you know. They'll be doing like those airport assassinations, you know, yeah. but like for stealing people's NFTs. Well, like I said, if you can hang with Dennis Rodman, why are you fucking with this bullshit online stuff, right? Yeah, you know? come on now. Like, come on, man. You you, you don't you need to cool recreate yourself in the metaverse. Like, you're cool in real life. It's it's so funny though, is that uh, people will look at like the mass games in North Korea and they'll be like, "Can you believe these people are doing this? Like filling the stadium and doing this like weird uh, like." sporting performance event and it's like look at what we do here yeah (laughs) (laughs) there is no way when you look at the mass games that is just quaint fun compared to the absolute depravity of what we've just been talking about are you you talking about like are you talking about when they are like like the fans in the stadium or in the mass games, everybody's a participant, right? So oh. they have like floor routines and stuff that are all based off of like having a thousand people like do a routine together. Oh, yeah. But while yeah, yeah. that happens, everybody that's in the audience has like cards in front of them and they hold the cards up in unison to create like moving pictures across right. the stadium, right? Like, so like everybody participates and it's like a whole thing. And like yeah. I said, that's just quaint fun. <laughs> 
I mean, that's cool. The, that like shows your collective, like, you know, solidarity with everyone too. Like that's well, just fun. It's hanging with your friends and seeing some cool shit. It's like country fair shit on a bigger yeah. scale. Yeah. You know? the, yeah. The depravity of the NFTs, the depravity of somebody being like, look, <laughs> this has been great. If I was going to self monetize, how I want to do it. <laughs> Look, buddy, and you, you, you criticize, and you use electric light. Yeah. yeah. What do you? Yeah. Yet you charge your phone at night. <laughs> yeah, you turn on the light to read. <laughs> yes, yeah, you turn on your the time. Yeah. <laughs> you criticize the power usage of NFTs. Get you're using a heater during winter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Curious. Mm, interesting. I'm very intelligent. <laughs> you're. You're sitting here talking about the depravity of this guy who invented a stupid fucking uh, digital art sales form, uh, but no one's talking about what a monster Edison was. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, the thing is, both of those can be true. (laughs) Fun, fun, true story. I had a high school history teacher who used to sh- there, there was these like videos that you could rent and you're not rent but get from like libraries or in show and it was just like the headlines of a decade like oh the 1920s and they'd be like people like dancing <laughs> on flagpoles and shit yeah. right and he showed one it's just random clips strung together and it's like thomas edison made the first movie and it shows like a clip of it which is him electrocuting an elephant <laughs> yeah because he's like in a battle with westinghouse and one of the students in the class, the year that I took this class, apparently complained enough to his parents about seeing this elephant electrocu- electrocution video or mentioned it to his parents who then lost their minds. And well, they, fair it's, enough. It's horrifying. It, you, it's 10 seconds of the video. You can't see it. Still. But they complained enough to the district that the school basically shipped out that history teacher to to another school. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. Wow. I, th- I thought he was going to get like some like fat settlement for like mental health or something. No, no. They, they just wanted to speak to the manager and have the employee fired. Which uh, That's yeah. so much yeah, lamer than I thought. Yeah, I thought they were going to finesse the state for money. That's like so nah. fucking lame. God, we need no, to I think mean, one bigger. One thing to say, like, let's remove that from the curriculum because it shows a beautiful uh, animal being murdered on the deranged whim of a psycho, of a rich psychopath. But like, yeah, getting the guy fired, that sucks. It's telling you, this is the birthing event of Hollywood and it hasn't gotten better since. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. They're still (laughs) fucking killing elephants. They just don't show you. Do not look into the deep uh, liner notes of Milo and Otis and how it was filmed. (laughs) Jesus. <laughs> oh shit. Well, we had a lot of fun today, guys, on our hundredth episode. Yeah. I think though in, it's time in honor for- of that, I'm not gonna edit this at all. Hell yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're getting the raw <laughs> the, raw, the, the raw hundo, the raw one hundred emoji. One hundred one hundredth episode, one hundred minutes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, life think- really is a movie for real <laughs> every episode just gets longer from here on out yeah exactly hey uh i feel called out on that one but speaking of which uh ending the myth uh yeah. make sure you look we're all the way up to the great depression and uh you know, uh, it's not depressing. I'm lying. It is. Uh, but that's what we'll be talking about in the next episode. Make sure you check it out every Sunday. Ending the myth. Uh, good stuff happening. We got some interviews coming that you're going to enjoy. Uh, make sure you check it out. Yeah, yeah. Anything else we got to push at this point? Oh, become a patron. All right. Uh, f- 
100 of you in honor of our 100th episode became patrons of this wonderful podcast, handing over money so that we could use it to do things like purchase apes. And wouldn't you, listener, who's not one of our beloved patrons, want to join that community of people who give us money so we can join the community of apes? Yes, of course you do. Yes. Come on now. Yeah, go on to Patreon. There's lots of content that you do not get on the free uh you know feed every week check it out i'll to tell you there's, there's lots of episodes it rocks you should join join the discord once you join too the discord is awesome it's it hopping hopping you can see all the obscure emojis that we've added that make no fucking sense <laughs> even though i'm a host of the show i don't understand what 90 percent of them are depicting okay, but it's or worse than that for. <laughs> i can't even see what they are because they're like actual like pictures that are now down to the size of a fucking smiley face that I can't even I don't even know so I just started replying with them all but like or, or you know um uh reacting with them all I don't even know what they're pictures of I like, literally I have to hover have over them to see what what it oh, says does it expand I see I don't know how to use like no it doesn't like really, expand but so. it like it like has like you know basically like like if I hover over like the handshake one it will like say Oh, this person reacted with handshake or something. So like, <laughs> oh, like they yeah, there's names. like a guillotine one. Like, if I don't really know that, if I just hover over the guillotine, it'll be like this person reacted with a guillotine emoji. Oh yeah. So yes, enjoy our inscrutable Discord, which every day looks more and more like uh, one of those unreadable texts in a Lovecraft story. Uh, <laughs> be be a part of that creation. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah, embrace the cosmic horror. Uh, let it let it take your mind. Yeah. Uh, yeah like, what the fuck that, am I looking at with this shit? <laughs> okay. Justin R. Sunset neighbor D reacted with doe hypers. What the fuck does that? Okay. Oh wait, <laughs> it does blow it up. <laughs> uh if you need us to explain that to you look hey we're not your we're not your teachers here we're not here to educate you all right yeah go figure it out we we respect your intelligence you don't need us to figure that out (laughs) google women with antlers uh make sure to turn your adult search off (laughs) (laughs) Uh, (laughs) safe search is on moderate (laughs) uh all right well Let's uh, grab our apes, gentlemen, and let's put them to bed with ourselves, of course, and call yeah, it a I night. I sleep with my ape every night. Is that, well, yeah. Hey, I got to have them close to me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. Good night, everybody. Good night. night.